Hello and welcome to the Cybersecurity Insider. This is episode 25. Today we have a different guest. Her name is Carla. Carla Refold. Did I say it correctly? You did, yeah. Okay. You know, I was looking at my emails and I saw that actually back in 2018, we were in touch. You sent me a LinkedIn message. And this is probably when you did your uh, staffing agency stuff. Yeah, that would that would sound about right. Yeah. Yeah, you had the job in contract position in Manhattan. I just saw the message. Said, "Oh, that's interesting. We know each other a few years ago." <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> And it is, and you know, not everyone checks their messages or receives those messages at the time, right? So um, yeah, but I don't know what, what I did with that message. I guess I ignored it quietly. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> I say this to people a lot because I'm always encouraging people to like reach out and ask for help, particularly if they're getting started in the industry. And actually, you have realize that people sometimes miss messages or don't see them or don't owe you a response either if you're reaching out to somebody cold they don't owe you a response so you know not getting a response doesn't mean you should be disheartened right and then always i mean this is in marketing we know that because you send few messages and maybe you send two emails and nobody's responding said oh nobody responded they don't like me or maybe they are too busy doing nothing yeah. Or maybe just deleting emails or something else, and then you need to keep sending more emails, and maybe they will see your email at some point in time. So that's kind of yeah. interesting. Exactly. So Carla, uh, tell me about you. I know we spoke about about you a little bit earlier, but uh, I want the viewers um, to know who is here with me today, please. So I, as you've just alluded to, I ran a recruitment agency for a number of years. I built that business and then sold it um, and stayed with them to grow that business really out in America. So I've now lived in America for two years and I have moved from being in cybersecurity recruitment to actually being in cybersecurity. So now I work for a threat intelligence company that does cyber risk ratings as their COO. So that's that's me. Excellent. So, I mean, you moved from the UK to the USA. How is that move? Because me, I moved from Israel to America. And we can say both of us are like immigrants. This is the common thing that we have between us. Yeah. I mean, you came from the UK. It's Europe. I mean, Israel, it's not exactly Europe. It's in the Middle East, you know, halfway in between. Um, so what, what, what do you see the differences or, uh, in terms of business, in terms of, um, I would say, approach to cybersecurity, right? because this is our focus, cybersecurity. What, what do you think is, are the differences between the two countries, if I would say? There's quite a few differences. And, you know, we think because we have a common language that there's a lot of similarities. Certainly my family back in the UK are often quite surprised by some of the differences just about life in the US in general. And there's lots of phrases that I've had to learn that Americans don't understand that we uh we in england use quite often so i've got a a huge list of words and phrases that uh, don't necessarily translate 
generally i find that america is uh more positive and more proactive things tend to happen and they tend to happen a little bit quicker and they tend to happen at a bigger scale um with cyber security teams over here i think are a little bit bigger i think we often look at like which country is more is further ahead and i don't see big differences i think you know america's further ahead in some areas i think the uk is further ahead in others and and sometimes they're just different you know the way we approach uh, banking for instance things like pin numbers and uh, tap tapping your card for payments that's quite uh, more advanced in the uk so there's more security around that than maybe there has been in the us where it's pretty common for a waiter to take your card away you know in the uk you wouldn't really accept that so i think that there's just differences in culture rather than you know big differences in how we approach security from from what i've seen so you know though those are big differences but also have uh impact on how we do things and i remember back like maybe 30 years ago when i was still in israel we had already we could make payments from the bank account you know paying the utility bills and everything and here in america you just see it i mean not now but most banks already provide this kind of service but in the past five maybe ten years they said oh now you can pay your bill online i mean we had it before so america is a little bit in and would assume that america will be at very advanced in technology adoption at least and then I found it curious to know, to see that actually they are a little bit behind. And, and, and probably, but also the UK, I believe they are a little bit um, very slow in adopting things. They are a little bit, you know, I don't say cautious, but they have more bureaucracy. Is that right to say that? Yeah, I, I think maybe, yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, it's just differences in how business business has been, been, been built you know banking is a great example where even just maybe three years ago people were still paying and even now actually you know people were paying check whereas I'm not sure I've used to check in the UK for at least 10 years certainly not to a business so there, there's just differences in how things things have been done um bureaucracy maybe I think the UK is we, we do tend to maybe be a little bit slower to implement things and I think in general particularly when it comes to smaller businesses we have an attitude of it's not as big a, of a problem as you're making it out to be whereas I don't see that as much in the US and generally there's more money in the, in the US you know the numbers are bigger everything is just bigger bigger so, yes Yes. <laughs> companies have more money to spend on their cyber security programs which means they've implemented some of the more emerging tech and the you know looking at emerging risks a little bit sooner but not by a huge amount you know like i really think the uk has a lot of innovation they have a lot of very uh, very cool startups doing some great things and companies there are adopting those so the difference isn't as big as i think we sometimes think it is Okay. Uh, I remember that uh, yesterday when we spoke about uh, cybersecurity, you mentioned insurance. And uh, I had another episode, I think 24, with uh, Gordon Coyle. He is the insurance broker. We had like a depth of conversation about insurance, but you mentioned insurance. So I want to understand what's your perspective about insurance, why you mentioned insurance, you know, 
with the intelligence suddenly, and then you mentioned insurance. Well, what's, you know, where are the connections here? So the, the connection is that what we do as a business is uh, everything that we do is threat led. So we have a risk rating product and it's led by threat intelligence rather than just looking at the attack surface of a company. We're looking at what's the threat to that individual company to really assess their risk more accurately. <clears throat> and the insurance companies that we're talking to like that approach and they have I think it's you know quite common knowledge that the insurance companies are struggling a little bit to work out how they price and quantify and underwrite cyber risk. It's not like any other risk that they're used to insuring. That's why you've got some insurance companies that are in the market and quite a lot of them actually haven't come into, into the insurance market yet. And I think there's just so much scope and there will be so much change over the next couple of years when it comes to cyber insurance there's a lot of wildly different opinions you know a lot of people think insurers are perpetuating our ransomware problem by by paying out when those claims come in and then a lot of people feel like actually they need to pay out and they, they, right now I, I i'm probably in that camp but actually they probably need to pay out and that's probably the the best way forward but there's so many <clears throat> wildly different opinions and i think there's so much evolution to happen in the cyber insurance space that it's uh, it's a really interesting area to watch and actually introducing threat intelligence to that underwriting process may be part of the the thing that makes uh, or one of the things that makes a difference to that so let's say an insurance underwriter when he gets like a uh, an application to insure somebody so they're going to collect all the basic information and I don't know some some of it is okay how many employees you have what's the revenue in order to kind of get the and that's what the insurance broker told me that's this is the information the basic information I mean as of now and if you're not breached because I ask you if you had any kind of if you breached in the past and they really said no we 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 want to breach I mean you didn't notice that you were breached uh and we know companies already breached because this is the, the 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 basic assumption these days which is very healthy i would say and and they come and they say okay did you have those were you breached what the size and this is how they figured out the risk and the risk score and this is what you do right uh you told me that you're building a risk score based on intelligence now would they when they do that so now they'll get the feed from your company about that specific business, how you can uh, take the information um, about the specific company and correlate it with that specific company. How are you going to go about it? So what we do is we look at that, that company. We'll look at um, it starts with a URL and anything associated to them. And we're looking not just at what the attack surface is of that company, so using passive scanning to work out what vulnerabilities they have, what uh, email security they have in place, those sort of things. But we're also looking at that company, the industry they're in, the, the countries they're operating in. We're looking at deep and dark web mentions about that company, the technology that they're using. So you could have two companies that have a very similar attack surface, similar number of vulnerabilities, similar email security, but are in different countries, different sectors, different level of threat, you know, who is actually interested in breaching this company in this industry could be really different. So it's by introducing 
those kind of measures that we get a, a different risk to where we're just looking at their attack surface as a, a company. And that that has an impact then on the insurance. You know, how how likely is it that this company is going to be breached in the, I mean, I guess insurers are looking at the next year, but in, in the future, um, and what do they need to do to maybe reduce some of that risk? So we have companies that are working with us ahead of their insurance renewal to look at what their risk rating looks like so they can reduce that ahead of that and become a better a better insurance prospect right they are advancing their cybersecurity based on their own risk they're not waiting for the insurance company to tell hey hey you know you need to fix your vulnerabilities before even we touch you and actually the insurance broker also mentioned that they do some of the companies are running uh, vulnerability assessment scans just to see what they uh, so, but this is from the outside, and this is related to what you just said, that if they see, let's say, open ports, not to say that open ports are a vulnerability by themselves, but they do they do scans just to make sure that there's no low-hanging food, I would say. And then if everything is fine, they said, okay, so this, this um, um, client of us can be a good client because it doesn't have such a big risk and we can insure them. Okay. That's interesting. What's also really interesting is uh, how the insurers are then branching it out. For, so for certain companies, they're now not just looking at, at you as a company, but they're looking at who your suppliers are and what the, the risk of those Third parties. Are. Yeah, third parties are supply chain. This is the big, 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 uh, big factor here. And a lot of people, a lot of our customers are really, they don't think about the third party providers, even subcontractors, and they count it as employees, but not exactly as an employee, but also an employee can be somebody that works against the company. So really, you don't know because the, the threats can be inside and outside. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And third party risk is, you know, obviously a growing area or in an area that people are increasingly aware of, particularly at an executive level. You know, the, the big breaches in the last year, uh, you know, thinking about SolarWinds and Kaseya, they, they came through the supply chain and they made the headlines. So people are taking far more notice of that now than maybe uh, at a senior level than maybe they were before. Right. But it's not only supply. I mean, supply chain is, is, is everything these days. And you can say you can count Microsoft Office 365, for instance, as a third party provider. So anybody that provides you services is, even though it's you don't see it as a third party, it's still a third party to you because it's not. And suppliers, of course, I mean, regularly. Okay, perfect. So I want to move to the next item because you mentioned intelligence. So what is cyber intelligence is? Well, well, why now? Why it's so important? Because some people say, well, okay, whatever, I'm a small company, 10 employees, 15, 50, I don't know, doesn't matter the number. Um, is it really matter? Why, why do we need the intelligence? So I don't know how anyone does a security program without some intelligence. That's like saying, I'm just going to go look at everything with no understanding and no prioritization. Uh, you know, there are there are things that are possible and there are risks, but that maybe aren't happening or that aren't likely to happen to you. You know, the, the profile of a financial services company or a critical national infrastructure organization, it's going to be very different to retail or, you know, other other companies, smaller companies as well. So 
if you don't really know what threats are out there, what's happening, what's uh, what's prevalent, then it's really hard, I think, to work out where you start with your security program. So, you know, if you're, if you're a small business, like I would say, and for many businesses, you know, phishing is probably one of the, the number one attack vector right now. So actually knowing that helps you understand what you need to do, where you need to train people, where you need to invest money. If you're just worrying about I don't know, vulnerabilities perhaps or, or whatever else it is, you know, maybe you're not looking at the things that are really the most relevant to you. And that means you're spending your time and your money in the wrong places. So yeah, I, I really don't understand how anyone can do anything without starting with some level of intelligence, whatever that looks like. So I, I want to poke a hole in, in your scenarios, if you don't okay. mind. Go on, go okay. for it. Okay, so... I would say I don't need intelligence to know that the point of entry is email for phishing and ransomware, right? I don't need intelligence because I get a ton of emails as phishing, I mean, phishing emails. And they are pretty getting very good because they are bypassing um, all the spam filters these days. And myself, I'm getting more spam than I used to get. But those, so some specific spam like marketing stuff, it always go to the spam folder. But those that are really want to get in, they are passing those spam filters. So really, I don't need to learn intelligence to know. Well, it's obviously it's coming from <laughs> it's coming from my email. So let's improve my email security, right? So what 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 do you would do? What what how are we gonna answer that? I think it depends on what kind of business you are. You know, if if you're if you're small, you probably don't need an intelligence provider. And actually, you know, keeping up with relevant industry news once a week, once a month is probably going to be enough for you if you're if you're smaller. But if you're if you're larger, then you probably do want to know what's changing. You know, what groups are using what tactics so that you can you can look out for that. You know, there's um uh, a report we wrote recently about a, uh, a particular group who are breaching two companies to get to get to one of them. So they're breaching the law firm and then sort of setting up emails between that company and the law firm so that it looks really legitimate. Um, so it's knowing things like that that help you to understand not just, hey, it's all emails I need to worry about, but this is an email that could look really legitimate, but it could actually be a breach somewhere else as well. So it's having the intelligence around scenarios, what attackers are doing, what's new that will enable you to, to keep up with that. Right. And um, and how that intelligence helps, let's say, with the um, phishing attempts from smishing, for instance, or uh, coming through social media messengers like facebook linkedin all of the above because i don't have any any kind of protections and now i'm a you see this behind me it's a sitting duck now i'm a sitting duck so what what, what, what am i doing now well i think just knowing those things that's the that's the first state right that is your intelligence that knowing that these attacks are possible that they're growing or maybe that you know this particular group is targeting this type style of company and hey that does apply to me or it doesn't so it's something i might need to worry about in the future or it's something i really need to go worry about now like understanding um you know this is something that i need to act on now or this is something that actually 
I can be aware of, but I, I maybe don't need to worry about. And then you can make that decision. Is this something I spend money on? Is this something I put time into? Or is this something that actually can fall down the priority list? And maybe it's still a risk to me, but the risk is low and I can focus on other things. Right. It's it's a low risk and I can ignore it for now, maybe. And maybe maybe in the future, either when I have more resources, maybe I can handle it or maybe it's going to come. Maybe that will change its priority and go up in the chain of the risk. And then I can say, OK, now I need to handle it. OK, that, that sounds sounds right. So I'll tell you, because m my experience, I was in the military. And and you said, I don't know how people, companies can go without intelligence. We didn't go to any mission without intelligence before we go to any do, you know, do any any anything. And it's a it's a key component before you go to a mission. And our mission is cybersecurity, um, you know, protecting data. And it's in it's it's required. And I absolutely agree with you. So and we mentioned cybersecurity risk score. Is it real? Like, is it really usable? Oh, you know, it's like another phrase that we are using saying, I don't know, all those phrases in cybersecurity. I mean, it was cybersecurity. In the past, it was information security, and then it moved to be cybersecurity, which means the same. But what, 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 what does it mean? How you combine, how you build the risk score? And how it's been done, how you, how now you, so now you, I, I have a number, okay, or maybe I have a ladder maybe, and then you go based on, let's say from zero to 10, and how do I take the, those numbers and, and make them applicable to my business? So the way we make it really applicable is by bringing in that threat intelligence and making it about you and not just your, your attack surface. Now they are, they are good indicators. I think they have limitations. So, you know, just because you have this score, you might actually be able to look at that and say, well, we've, I don't know, we're going to mitigate these things, or we don't feel that these things are a risk to us. They're not our priority. And that's fine. That's, that's your choice. Every company, our scores go from zero to a thousand, and the higher the score, the higher the risk. Different companies set different uh, risk parameters for people within their supply chain. And that's, that's absolutely fine. Everyone's going to have a different risk appetite. So I think it's about understanding that this is an indicator. This indicates for you, these are companies that are critical to me in my supply chain and they're high risk. I need to go work with them in a little bit more depth. But actually, these companies are critical and they're lower risk. So I can leave them to, to later. It's understanding what you can use it for. It's not like we would never say this is an absolute. It's uh, it's useful but you need to work out how you're going to apply it. Okay. Uh, so it's more, so you, you give the, the companies, your client, I would say, probably it's insurance, uh, insurers, and you give them the information, say, here, Mr. Customer, this is the, the report for this, you know, for, for to do a, an underwriting, or this is how you should do it, and they're going to figure it out themselves, or they're going to come to you and say, okay, you know, we need a little bit more help here. How to apply it? Do they come after they get a report to say, how can we apply it to our case? Yeah, some people do. So it's not just insurance. We might be working with a big company. They have 
30 people in their supply chain they want to monitor and they will then send those scores to their supply chain um, and those those people might come to us and say hey we we're worried about this how can we go fix it and we we tell them what to go fix and where um so so yes it, like we they might come and ask for more information and we will help them work through that or they might not need our help they might have a team that's big enough to be able to do that themselves so it, it really it really just depends on who the company is right yeah it depends on the size i mean not necessarily the size but smaller companies let's say it's a 50 employees or something they probably don't have the uh, the subject matter experts who come and help them i mean you can give them the direction but not more than that like it's is is it out of your scope or you can say okay we if you don't have the expertise we can come and and help you with that with that as well or no Generally, the mitigation we would pass on to a, a partner organization to go in and actually well, they don't have the people to do it. We don't go in and mitigate their, whatever their risk is for them. We don't do patching or anything like that. So, yeah, we would pass them on to someone else if they don't have that capability. I see. Okay. All right. Anything that you would like to add? So we we almost coming to our end of uh, this session. Uh, so... In closing, what what do what do you have to say? Um, so I think that these uh, you know scores, cyber insurance, these are all things that, particularly supply chain, you know, these are risks that everyone is going to be really focusing on this year. I think they're the big issues within cybersecurity. So I think it is about understanding. Uh, you know what you need to what you need to be focusing on. Really understanding how you prioritise your risks and understanding how you can use that and how you can use that to communicate as well. If we're looking at getting kind of that board level involvement, how can you use something like a risk rating to go and help you with that engagement? I see. And um, I had another question to ask you, and it blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It's funny. Um, so besides all those things, what do you expect? Like, what what do you have like a vision about what should come next? Maybe what companies should look for? Um, I mean, to say in the next five years, I think it's it's really it's too far. I think next year, this year, like in the next twelve months, what should they do in order to either start their cybersecurity program? and what they should look for like what 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 should they do i think companies that maybe haven't started like you know really go focus on basic things put it like basic things that are easy you know put in multi-factor authentication on on things that are important to you companies that are a little more advanced um you know around half of the companies uh, we did a survey last year you know they didn't really know who their critical suppliers were they hadn't really looked into their supply chain security so I think that's the next area that companies are going to start looking outside of themselves and really looking to their, their supply chain. And that's really exciting, I think, for us as an industry, because actually if larger companies can go help their suppliers to become more secure, I think we improve ourselves as a, an ecosystem altogether. So, um, yeah, I think that's something that companies are going to start focusing on. Okay, that's that's perfect. Yeah, the, the basic the basic stuff is always a good starting point because a company is coming and ask, what should we do? And you know they're trying to understand 
what what they need to do and they, they don't know how to start so this is kind of help the viewers whomever uh help them to understand where to get started so it was very uh nice to meet you now in person and knowing that we uh crossed uh our ways back in 2018 something so that's funny uh and that's it i guess so thank you everybody for watching this is the cybersecurity insider episode 25 with carla refold with the cybersecurity intelligence um thank you and of course like and subscribe to our channel if you like it thumb up or not that's fine and maybe we'll host you another time if you have time for us if not it's good always to chat on the phone or by email. Thank you very much, Carla, and have a great day. Go get the cybersecurity program and do something about it. Thank you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Thank you. Pleasure. Okay.